Welcome, everybody, to the Race Tech Privateer Island Life number 23. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. A couple weeks ago, I touched base with a buddy of mine, Jason Furnett. We traveled the Nationals for a few years. And uh, so we'll do mostly current privateers on this Race Tech Privateer Island Life pod. But I do want to go back in the time machine and talk to some older guys and uh, find out what, how they like, how they, what they had to go through what life was like as a privateer back in the day, and uh, and much more, and uh, have some laughs along the way. Thank you for listening. Race Tech Suspension, Pulp MX-17 is the code to save at Race Tech. Uh, discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, and uh, mention the code to get a discount on high-performance suspension needs. Of course, they started in 1984. They got the gold valves. Uh, Michael Lessie just used Race Tech Suspension to win a Canadian National this year, and uh, plenty of top privateers over the years have used Race Tech, and uh, we thank you guys for supporting them, and they got a whole uh, motor department too as well so please check that out i guess it's engines not motors i don't know anyways uh please thanks thanks to those guys check them out uh with me on the line a buddy of mine from up in canada we met in manitoba all those years ago uh he had a, a nice career on the bike and we'll talk to a little bit more to him about you know if he could have took it further and more seriously if he could have done well i tell people all the time uh one of the best riding styles i, I think i've seen on a motorcycle america or canada uh it's my buddy daryl martins what's up daryl how are you hey i'm doing pretty good steve not too bad how about you i'm good man thank you for doing this appreciate a little trip down memory lane for us so yeah 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 exactly um where's your manitoba plaques i just that is a good question. You know, you were talking about the Manitoba champions uh, in an article a while ago, and I'm thinking, yeah, I think I won a bunch of those. You they did. have to be you buried did. somewhere. You did. I got four plaques, but you won the pro classes. You were much better than me. Did um, you mention me in that article? I don't think I don't you mentioned know. me in that one. I, I probably should have. <laughs> um, well, you were You're actually flagged from everybody. You were kind of sandbagging uh, Manitoba, and we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but nice to have you on the show. National number 67. In 1993 in the U.S., national number four in Canada was your highest in 89. Uh, I know you, there are other years that you were uh, uh, definitely at a national number, but four was your highest in Canada and, uh, and 67 in the U.S. Some good results. Um, what's going on with Martins these days? What are you doing? Just the family thing, just doing the life thing, you know, working. I have a furniture store in White Rock, and uh, we live in Abbotsford, so kind of back to where I started. I grew up in Abbotsford, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of good to be back. You know, you miss, you still miss things about everywhere you've been, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, Winnipeg, I still think about it, talk about it, or Ontario, or wherever you've been. It's, uh, you know, I guess it's always good to come home, right? Yeah, no, well, the west coast of Canada, if you are going to live anywhere in Canada, that's probably where you want to go. Um, but you need to be rich to live there, I guess. So that's the drawback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now, definitely, you got to bring some bags of money if you're moving out this way. I know it's insane. I was up there a little while ago. I picked up a paper. I'm just like, holy smokes! It's God's country, oh, yeah. but gee whiz, <laughs> you pay the price. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're kind of divided with the river. Obviously, Vancouver is is you know it's just ridiculous. It, I, you know, I think lots are 1.5 million for a lot in Vancouver, right? But uh, you know, into the mainland still a little better, but yeah, the past year, you know, I think, you know, I think our house probably increased in value by like forty percent at least. So nice. it's just been it's crazy. Yeah. Um, no dirt bike riding for you anymore. You've given that up. But triathlons, right? You've done that for a number of years now. Um, always, uh, you know, I guess in one way, Martin's it's. I was going to say, in one way, it's like taking your competitive juices for racing motocross for all those years into another, you know, gnarly sort of sport like triathlon. But then, and then I would say that, except you don't get hurt, but you have been getting hurt doing triathlons or training oh. for them, anyways. 
Yeah, yeah. It's got, well, it's kind of ironic in a way that, you know, my whole motocross career, if I just would have been in a little better shape, you know, you think back to certain races like Austin Manitoba, it's like, if I would have just ran a little more and just been in better shape, I could have mm-hmm. done so much better. And then, you know, motocross ends and then I take up triathlon and I go, wow, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's an eye opener. So, um, but yeah, it's, the triathlon has been, it's been eight, I've been doing it for about eight years now. Uh-huh. So. I got a buddy from Manitoba, moved out to Kelowna, just really, he's so bit by triathlons and so bit by doing them uh, that, and, and a little frustrated with the winners in Manitoba and everything. He moved to Kelowna, where it's basically triathlon capital of Canada. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, you must have some money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, no, really. What's, yeah, just go out me, there, swim, bike, and run. Let me guess, your weakest is the swim? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my first, my first ever triathlon, I did, uh, Penticton in 2007, I think it was. And, uh, I literally there was 2,500 athletes and I came out of the water, probably 2,250th <laughs> and no kidding. If yeah. I look back at the results, I passed 2000 riders on the bike. <laughs> so. It's it's funny because a lot of guys I know that do them or train for them or are, are moto guys and they're always bad on the swim for some reason. It didn't didn't work out like everything else was fine, but the swim is yeah. what would get you. The sw- well, and you know, I mean, going back to the moto days, the, growing up with Al Dayek and and you know training with Al, he was always sort of my mentor, and and we used to go to the pool, right? You know, back when I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and. And yeah, I just sucked. I mean, I would swim to the end, and I'm just like, this is the stupidest sport, right? <laughs> you know, and Al, Al enjoyed it because he, he always sort of had knee issues, and so we'd, he'd always drag me to the pool, and uh, I just never caught on until I took up triathlon. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I have to do it, right? Right. I am not doing triathlons, Martin, so I know this could, be, could come no? as a surprise, but I am not doing triathlons. <laughs> well, which is too bad because that while the world, the, the half irons were in Vegas for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, out in uh, out in uh, I don't know, just outside of town. There's some resort, some man-made lake out there, but uh, I think they stopped that about two years ago. So. Uh, we went to Kona just after the triathlon, the world, whatever that is, out in Kona, the triathlons. Uh, yeah, yeah, wife and yeah, I went yeah. to wife and I went to Kona and stay, at a restaurant. The lady's like, "Are you here for the triathlon?" I'm like, "What do you think?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And, and, well, yeah, first question and second question is, why are you in Kona if you're not for the triathlon, right? I mean, it's just it's where everybody descends upon no, for, I know. You know, the second week in October every year, and it's just, it, it is pretty cool. I And, you know, the Kona is what really got me addicted to triathlon is that I, I planned on, I did a couple of short triathlons in 07 and then i entered you know you have to qualify for kona back then they used to have a lottery where they would take yeah a couple hundred people out of this lottery mm-hmm. and i won my first year uh-huh. so i was just getting ready for penticton which would have been my full my first full distance and then i won the kona lottery and i'm like holy shit i gotta do two full ironmans in my very first year right yeah but yeah, then, you know, after I did, I did Penticton, of course, you're hooked. And then, you know, eight weeks later, I did Cone, and I'm just like, oh, this is unbelievable, right? It's just, <laughs> you know, floating in the water in Kalua, Kona Bay with, you know, with all these athletes. It, it just, you know, it's almost as good as being on the line, start line for Seattle Supercross, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so then I I buckled down after that in 07. I just started hammering it out. I started biking to work, and then I qualified 
I qualified two more times. It wasn't the next year. I think it took me two years to qualify after that. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I won a total of three times and it's, yeah, it's just, it is, I know what your buddies talked about. It's totally addicting. You just, yeah. you know, it's as addicting as motocross, right? As kids. So. Yeah, no doubt. Um, looking back on your motocross career, 10th place in Seattle one year, 125 supercross Maine, uh, 13th, another year, 15th, um, pretty good, like a nice career. And I always like, so you were always trying to, you know, you didn't come from wealthy parents and you always had to race and try to make money at the same time and, and get a job. And, you know, your buddy Larry started a, a Oak Furniture store, uh, you know, right out of school or whatever. So you started doing that, making money from that. Do you ever think about like, I mean, look, it's not something that keeps you awake at night, but man, you could really ride a bike and you had some great, great results. Do you ever think about like, if you really, really just buckled down and, and, you know, did multi years of Canadian nationals to see how, how good you could do. I mean, just kind of when you started, you know, you're number four, not really making any money in Canada. And then you're like, Oh, I'm going to move to Manitoba, you know, shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, you go back to the beginning and, and you see guys like Fasciati now, I mean, just doing Canadian national stuff. And, and yeah. I did it, you know, when I started getting fast, I never, yeah, of course not coming from money, you start getting faster and you're, you don't really believe in yourself. You don't, you don't think, Hey, you know, I can go do this. And I think my first trip to the U S probably was about 1984. I think Larry took me down and, uh, and uh, it was a Golden State National, and I just watched, and, you know, I saw Jeff Ward doing this, these really amazing things, you know, you know, kind of like pre-jumping the, mm-hmm. the square edge bumps, and I think Bailey was there. Uh, I just, I'm like, I got to come down on the States. These guys are unbelievable, right? Right. right. So you, you, to see it is, it kind of changed your whole way of thinking that, you know, I want to do this. So ever since you know, that point on, I just thought, I just want to come to the States. Yeah. And that sort of, and that probably was the downfall of my motocross career in the beginning was that it was, yeah, the lack of money was, you know, from just wanting to drive, (laughs) taking every dollar (laughs) going down to the States and, you know, with some success. And and then I, I, I met a friend down there, Mark, and he had a construction company. So a couple of years, I just ended up going down there and building swimming pools in the morning and, you know, riding out at, uh, you know, riding out uh, uh, Glen Helen and stuff in the afternoon, that area, right? Right, So, right. It, uh, you know, that was sort of the money thing. But, yeah, you're right. If I just would have mm-hmm. – I don't know. I don't know if I would have, though. You know, going back, if someone said, here's a contract for Canada or here's money to race in Canada, but you can't go down to the States, I, I, yeah. I just didn't see the, you know, the total – uh, excitement. I mean, the U.S. Supercross. I mean, that's where you want to go. And unfortunately, yeah, I spent gobs of money to get there, right? <laughs> uh, for sure. I mean, we just had Dylan Wright drove down. Him and his team drove down to Bud's Creek this past weekend. I don't know if you saw that. And the kid went 13-13 uh, in the 250 class. Um, and, you know, he probably didn't make any money. And I don't know who's, who, <laughs> who put the expenses on. But but good for him. Good for him. He, yeah. You know, and he's going this weekend to Indiana to the last round. And it's always nice to see a Canadian medallias go south when they can, or they used to, you know, but a lot of Canadians, Martins are just like our buddy Al Dick, right? I mean, he was phenomenal rider, uh, a really, really great rider. And because it didn't make financial sense, he didn't really venture south. Uh, Colton Fasciati didn't venture south enough. He did a little bit, but he didn't venture south enough because there wasn't any money in it for him. And look, I guess you can't blame these guys at the end of the day, but Man, you sure like the, the guys that go down and take a chance and see how they do against the world's best. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, and that's where as a, you know, as a motocross rider, I always wanted to be. And, uh, and, um, you know, I'd rather finish, you know, like Dylan finishing 13th. I mean, I would have come off that moto absolutely stoked, you know, getting top 20 in the U S which again may have been a downfall, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're in the mindset that you're happy with a 13th, you're never going to be a a Jeremy Grass or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, being a Canadian, I think I think we all may have had that mindset uh, instilled in us that okay, well, you know, going to the U.S., we're, we, I'm not going to win, right? Yeah. So, am I going to be happy? My 13th place paid 150 dollars. I mean, obviously, I'm they're not in it for the money. Yeah. But um, you know, is just justifying, you know. I'm going to spend $2,000 this weekend. Is that worth it to me for the 13th? Well, yeah. you know, when I was 18, 19, 20, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what? I spent 2000 bucks. I mean, not, you know, nothing else matters at that point. At yeah. that age of life, I'll spend a 2000 Where a guy like Al Dick or, you know, Ross Peterson, I, you know, I heard stories about him in the beginning, just about, you know, how tight they were with money and how important it was. I mean, that's awesome. You know, I look back. You know, at 49 years old, I wish I would have been a little tighter, right? <laughs> right. Had, had, had a few more houses or whatever, but at the same time, would I would I change it or give it up for yeah. that 10th at Seattle? No, no, never. Yeah. Uh, what know. do you remember about, like, 10th at Seattle and 15th in Seattle and, and all that, making main events? Uh, by the way, you finished a couple spots ahead of our buddy Fernet uh, one race, one ra- one year. I was We were looking that up the other day. But what do you remember oh, about that? I mean, you just showing up with probably a – a stock bike with some suspension and a pipe and silencer, right? Yeah, basically. Everything was pretty stock back then. That uh, Well, 89 would have been a Cali. I was on a Cali 125, and they, it was a little bit slow. Oh, yeah. A little yeah. hard to get. Yeah. yeah, they were just hard to get over the triples. And, uh, I, you know, a couple of memories was, I think, I think that was year. Was, did David Bailey get hurt in 89? No, he got hurt at the end of 86, almost before 87. Oh, okay. So yep. it was '87. I was on the start line at Seattle then, and I remember they were showing pictures of him in the hospital and stuff. And I, that still sticks in my memory. You're sitting on the start line and you're watching these pictures, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, holy shit! Why would they play that now? Right? <laughs> Get ready I, to race. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was you know one of those years. But yeah, I remember '89. It was uh, yeah those years there from you know '87, '88, '89. Um, I, I yeah, I really wanted to make the mains and um, and and it, yeah, it was awesome made quite a few mains on the west coast and i just wish i had the money to go to i missed a couple of rounds probably like texas was a little far away uh-huh. and uh um yeah there, got, there was a couple that you got 17th far. overall in 89 and 125 west series oh so, is that right yeah, yeah and i think yeah. i i think i missed one out of that and uh um and then i came around to 80, 89, 1990. And, uh, yeah, I was on a Honda 125 and it was awesome. And, uh, I was down all winter and I was just, I was flying and it, you know, I'm like, okay, I, this is it. I think I can make top 10 this year. Right. Uh And, um, I crashed at Anaheim was the first round. They had some whoops and then they had a wall jump and I hit this wall jump sideways and guy landed on me and I ended up in the hospital and what a zoo Saturday night at Anaheim hospital. <laughs> oh, wow. Like this was long before reality TV and right. holy shit. Like we're talking guy ran across the freeway, got pasted by a car. He was sitting next to me, like just split open. One guy fell actually from the balconies at the Supercross. Oh, geez. fell off the balcony and he was in the bed next to me. And anyways, uh, you're like, hey, so I raced tonight. A, He's like, yeah, I fell. Yeah, I, was, 
I hurt my elbow. I need some stitches. And then uh, some guy came in on a stretcher, and he was tripping on drugs. It was it was quite a show. And then, anyways, I think it was San Diego was the next round, and uh, yeah, and it was I felt really really good. And uh, but there was a little bump before a double, and I saw the two fifty guys hitting this bump and clearing the takeoff for the double. Oh yeah, okay. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And I did it once. Yeah, and I can do that. I kind of clipped it, and I went, wow, that's fast. And I came around the next lap, and I dropped my rear end and uh, <laughs> kicked me over the bars, and I broke my scaphoid, and that was it. Um, that so or my navicular, whatever it was. You you got going in 89. You were number four. So this would have been Al was one. Was this from Rollerball, or was Rollerball getting back in 89? I don't know. but No, 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 because, yeah, 89, okay, again, things are kind of foggy. But yes, of course. But If, I, if I'm a little off, uh, so 1989, the beginning, San Diego Supercross, I remember Ross was there, yeah. and he came down probably off a winter of just working. I don't think he was training. He wasn't in Florida. I think he came straight from Alberta to San Diego. Somebody gave him a bike, Suzuki or whatever. <laughs> and he was a little, and he, he had a few pounds on him at this point also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on the tail end of his career, and uh, he come down, and and there was, you know, they were starting to make these triples big. Then this was the beginning of some pretty cool jumps, and mm-hmm. uh, I remember on my 125, I was barely clearing this this triple right, and uh, Ross stiffened up. He came over at the second lap of practice, I think it was, and he stiffened up and cased it, and and uh, yeah, right off the track onto the concrete into the boards and. I heard they airlifted him. I heard he went to the hospital and it was a uh, broken pelvis. And okay. uh, and then I heard they, they private jet airlifted him back to Alberta because it was too bad. So I think that was the year he got hurt really bad. Okay. He missed he missed the, the Nationals in 89. So, yeah, and um, then, um, so, so what was the top three guys in front of you? Sir Wall? So, yeah, Sir Wall ended up third and uh, Valancourt and uh, Al. Okay. And, uh, Did you? I was. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I was just, yeah, like, they, you know, back then it was all three classes, and yep. I had a Kawasaki deal, and uh, and I was all set up to go, and literally, I'm, I was like, well, what are you doing? I mean, again, you know, I was my mentor, he helped me out and sure. everything, but, you know, never helped me out, helped me out, it just always was, you know, like, hey, let's grind together, and then right. it was like, we're just ready to go, and, was, and I was just going to do 125, 250, and 89, and he goes, listen, drive when you leave, just drive down to Oregon. There's a new 89 CR 500 sitting for you at a dealership there. And I'm like, holy shit, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah. okay, well, the deal is, is that you can't, you can't practice on it. It's only for the races. So just go start it up, break it in. And uh, you do it for the four rounds. We sell it and, and I get the money back. And I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> Why couldn't so you race you- it? Why couldn't you practice on it though? Well, because the, because then it, if I go out and beat on it, it's not going to be worth anything, right? So, uh, <laughs> but it was cool because you know Ballancourt was on an '88 Sierra 500 that year, and this was the U.S. model. Oh, that's 89, right. '89s which, didn't come yeah. into Canada, right? Yeah. Oh, that thing was so awesome. I just uh, yes, yeah, so we went down, picked this rig up, and uh, yeah, it, uh, and I had some good motos. I remember leading the 500 class at Valley Junction, I think, and I led for like half the race. I think Al either crashed or was sick or something, and uh, um, but I think I finished third a couple of motos in the 500 that year, and it was just it had that huge tailpipe, right? That yep, massive yeah, exhaust that came out. <laughs> and it was you couldn't even hear it. Like Valancourt had the pro circuit pipe on his bike, and he'd get so pissed off. 
laugh because it's like, I didn't hear you behind me. What were you doing? It, it was like a sewing machine. <laughs> um, and I'm like sneaking so, up on you. So you get four and 89. I mean, just, and for, so for 90, like, did you have, we talked about going to Supercross and going to California and all that. You were on a Hondas, but did you have a deal? Like, did anybody say, hey, this kid's really good. Let's pay him some money to race motocross for a living or no? Like, well, no. Hey, there was no pay back then. I think, I think, those years, the economy was so bad. I it think was, that basically, yeah. yeah. It, it stopped, right? I mean, Ross ended it with the pay, and and I think even Al, I think his deal, you know, for ninety or eighty nine would have just been like here, here's eight bikes or ten bikes, keep them, and that's your paycheck, right? Right, right. You know, I I, I don't think there was any actual payment involved, and no, I didn't. I mean, I guess part of the deal was going into nineteen ninety was that I rode Kawasaki in eighty nine. But then Al gave me the Honda, so it was kind of like, hey, you know, aren't you a Cowie rider? What do you yeah, do yeah. riding the Honda? And I'm like, well, you, know, you guys don't make a 500. And so there was that issue. And then. Um, oh, they made a 500, just wasn't that good. Did they make a 500 in 89? Oh, yeah. yeah, Cowie did. Cowie oh, made one forever. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah, maybe they just didn't want to give me one or <laughs> right, whatever. Right. So, anyways, yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, so you, you kind of split with that. And then, and then um, so what did I get? I had a Honda 125. And I may have, I don't know, because I may have just bought that. When you, know, you, or, or, when you showed up in Manitoba, this is 91, so two years after this, you show up in Manitoba, you're owning an oak furniture store, you're riding <laughs> 1990 bikes in 91, and you're kicking everybody's ass, by the way. Yeah, and what'd you say, Sandbaggy, Manitoba? Yes, yeah, Sa- Sandbaggy, Manitoba. Was there. Um, Shane Drew was the Manitoba that, speedster, right? That, that's actually true. I remember at one time in Manitoba, and I, used to, I tell Moffenbeyer this because I'm always complaining about Saskatchewan having better and riders. Formal. And Formo. And, but at one time, Manitoba had number uh, five, Formo. Number 11 was Reimer. Number yep. seven was Drew. I think, and then you yep. didn't have a national number because you didn't ride them in 90, but you were beating them all, you know, so um, it was some yeah. good racing. It made for some good racing. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, I, there was a lot of races that it was stacked, and uh, and it was a blast, right? But I, so I guess if we back up a little bit, how I got there was, uh, so yeah, I broke my wrist in, 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 80, in 1990, 90, yeah. In, in, yeah, in February, and, uh, you know, doctors like, yeah, it's just gave for you're hooped, you know, <laughs> go, go pick another career, right? And so I ended up, you know, I was washing the Porsche for his Larry Visco, the furniture factory guy. I was washing his car and vacuuming his house, right? Like, what are you going to do with one hand? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so I, you know, I sat around, moped around for a while and, you know, went back to the doctors. They're like, yeah, you're screwed. You're going to be in a cast for six months, right? Especially back so, then, right? Yeah, back then it's like, yeah, we, we can't. That's, I mean, that's basically what ended RJ's career. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing you do. I mean, I, I know. I th- actually, I think it was Al Dick. He did the same thing, and he ended up just he just kept racing, and his bone healed into two bones or something, right? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I yeah, I didn't want to do that. So uh, so Larry's like, well, you need to go run a furniture store, and then I'm thinking, well, shit, yeah. I mean, if you had your own business, you could hire somebody and make money and go racing, right? <laughs> perfect. So that was yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, like why doesn't anyone do this? So I. I took off to Edmonton and I worked for a guy there and he taught me how to run a furniture store and I lasted six months and, and my wrist healed in Edmonton. I actually got a good doctor there and, and, uh, got me on some ultrasound and, and it healed up and I started riding again. And, uh, six months after that, I found I said, yeah, I, you know, I know my own furniture store. Where don't you sell oak furniture? And he goes, oh, I don't have a dealer in Manitoba. All right. <laughs> there we go. I go to Manitoba. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I phoned up uh, John, uh, my buddy John there, and yeah. uh, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to sleep on your couch. No, actually, I didn't meet John yet. I, I met someone else. I can't remember. There are two brothers that raced that oh, I knew Brad, from 88. Brad and Brent Johnson. No, no, oh, no. Okay. Uh, um, who, the the long-haired brothers, they went to university for like I don't eight, know who you're ten years. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. The long-haired yeah, you know brothers. What, yeah, the long-haired yeah, brothers. Yeah, Brad, Brad and Brent Johnson. That's who it was. No, 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 no. These guys were kind of French guys and, and uh, books, books. Oh, the books brothers. Yeah, yeah, Jean-Guy and, yeah, and, and Rob. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, I had met them in 88 going across and... Uh, and uh, so I phoned them, and they said, oh, uh, you know, John's got an empty couch. His bunch of guys living there. Gerald Canast was there. And uh, and just go open the door and go sit on the couch, and he'll be home after work. He doesn't care. <laughs> John Kennedy. Yeah. And uh, so I did. I, I, drove, I got my van. I drove out to Winnipeg, and uh, Larry said he'd give me some furniture. My dad said he'd give me a little bit of cash. And I drove out to Winnipeg and, uh, and uh, um, opened the door to John's house and sat on the couch and... <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> he came up, and we actually started selling furniture out of his living room. I put the furniture in the house, and I advertised, and people would come over to the house and buy tables right out of his living room there. Oh God, so, he was. Yeah, um, yeah. But at this so where point, were we going with? Well, that? at this point, your your dreams of riding pro were. I guess they were. You were just like, I guess I got. You know, like I'll do what I can. Like we talked about the economy was bad, so. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to race Canadian. I don't know if you ever did the Nationals again, really, from there, right? You never really did. You kind of ventured south, and we'll talk about the 500s and everything. But Yeah, well, I did. I did. It, it, my wrist healed, and I actually had a Cowie deal that year. And they gave me bikes. Actually, they just phoned me up. I was in Edmonton, and out of the blue, they're like, we got three bikes here for you for the Nationals. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm in Edmonton working, selling furniture, and I haven't been on a bike for a year. But so... I'm not one to turn down free stuff, so I drove back to uh, Whole Shot, and I picked up the three Cowies, and uh, the first national that year was in Duncan, uh-huh. and I was national number seven, and uh, so, yeah, so I went and rode, and, you know, of course, I couldn't hang on. I was out of shape, and then that's, and then I think I rode just that national, and I gave up, went to Manitoba, and I kept the bikes, and then I was in Manitoba, and they phoned me going, hey, you missed the last national. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm just in Manitoba. I, you know, I hope to ride some nationals. And they're like, no, dude, like, it's not cool. And so I said, okay, that's fine. So I, so I shipped the three Cowies back from Winnipeg back to Whole Shot. And then I went to, um, there was a Honda guy, a uh, Honda dealership just south of Winnipeg. I ended up in there one day. What was his name? Milt Reimer. He owns FXR. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Milt right. Reimer, yeah. So I just I was driving by doing a delivery one day in my first year in Winnipeg, and I'm like, I need to ride. And I stopped in. Milt was a super nice guy, and he had an old CR125 sitting there. And I said, yeah, I'll take it. And uh, loaded it up in the van, and I started riding that. And uh, <laughs> and then I think I did the Manitoba. <clears throat> so that would have been 90. Was Two. 91. 91. 90, yeah, 91. Yeah, yeah. So I rode the Provincials, and yeah, of course, I, I smoked every round. I won that. And, and Honda was paying contingency, so it's like, holy yeah, crap. Yeah, you were killing it because I, I, I was winning the intermediate, and I made a lot of money. I think I want to, I want to, back then in 91, I think I made 12 or 15 grand as a 17 year old as an intermediate. I was stoked, you know? Oh, they were just giving it away. It yeah. was, and I'm like, holy crap. And then. So yeah, so I won that. I and then I got paid for the the title, the Manitoba 125 title. And so in '92, I got three new Hondas. I went and bought 125, and 15 to 500. And I think that year in 1992, I made 60 grand 
because I won yeah. all the races and all the titles. And then Manitoba, the provincial government also had a program, an amateur program where they gave the motocross riders money. And I remember because Shane Drew was so pissed off that, that I got money from Manitoba government, but he was an Ontario resident and I was technically a Manitoba resident because I lived yeah, there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so they, paid, they paid me tons of money from this provincial grant. And, you know, I think it was, I think it was 10 grand. I think I got from the Manitoba oh, yeah. government nice. as an amateur that year. Nice. Uh, the Race Tech uh, Privateer Island Life Suspension, a Privateer Island Life podcast with my buddy Daryl Martins. Uh, you ever use Race Tech Martins? By the way, I should have asked you this before we started. Yes. Yeah, I have. <laughs> when? I, thanks, I, thanks for all the details. <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. I have. I did have race tech on my bike. I had race tech on. Geez. Somebody had race tech at some point. Everybody had it, you know, at some point. So. Yeah, I, I just can't. Remember. I'm thinking. Was there a race tech guy set up in Ontario? Or no, it wasn't Manitoba. Wasn't Roy Borton? Didn't he? I don't race think tech? Roy was race tech. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was Roy. Did my Suzuki's with race tech? I, I, I yeah. I, I bet a few bucks on that. But so at no, some no. point, you and I meet. I don't know how, but you gave me a job working at the Oak Furniture Store, delivering furniture <laughs> in my race van, uh, my red race van that I uh, got bought from my dad, um, an old Chevy van. Creeper I, what? <laughs> the Creeper Mobile. Yeah, yeah. And then you were paying me uh, to deliver furniture. It was great. It was uh, because you were racing, and like me, so we could be like, hey, let's go riding in the afternoon. Like, get yeah. all the deliveries done in the morning, and we'll go riding. It's, like, sweet. Yep. It's a great yeah. job. And that was the plan. I mean, meeting you was even a better part of my plan of having a business and having someone I could work for me and then go riding with, right? Yeah, that was great. You know, it just, yeah, it's, it worked out. And we were so busy those years. Like, the first year yeah. that I opened the store, it was kind of slow. But then when you and I met, I mean, holy crap, yeah, you were, there tons you were, of people buying. Yeah, you had a, a downstairs was a warehouse, upstairs was a showroom, and and at some point you put yep. me in, you moved me, in, you promoted me to sales. That was good. That was sales. <laughs> promoted my one employee. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, we, that, I, I had to have someone sell while I was off. I know, it, was, stuff, right? it was great. Um, oh so, yeah. So then I'm working for you and, and racing locally, and we're practicing and um, and this and that. And then I remember you're like, you know what? Because you were so flaky, Martin. So like, like. <laughs> So uh, decisions one one day to the next, you would never quite know. One day you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go do the 500 nationals in the U.S." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yep, I'm gonna go do the, all the 500 nationals. Uh, you're gonna have to work work more hours for me. And uh, and you got yourself a Honda 92. Did you ride a 92 Honda 500? I guess you would have right in that year. And yeah, I got that from the Russian. Who was the Russian guy in Manitoba? He wasn't Russian. He was Czech. Oh, the Czech. Yeah, what was his name? Jan Viteznik. Jan, that's, yeah, 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 thanks. I was thinking about that, yeah. And and some farmer bought that CR500, rode it down his driveway, and absolutely looped out over his driveway and killed himself just about. And, and it was Jan's neighbor or something. And the the thing was like, the whole back end was ripped off of it. And Jan's like, yeah, I'll fix it up for you. Yeah. We'll get it going. And he did. Um so you headed off Another to the 500 guy. Nationals that year, that that fall six race series or whatever it was, and uh, um, again, you know, you were a pretty talented guy. Um, actually, you know what? It says here you had a Cowie. I thought you had a Honda. It says here you had no. That was that was the next year. I rode two years. I think the Cowie uh, was the next year. Was it was the, was it Cowie in '92 and Honda '93? 
It says Cowie in 92, but you were on a Honda. I will correct this. Yeah, I, yes. yeah, yeah. That, um, that was we right. will get yeah, this corrected. Anyways. Yeah, um, yeah, call the MA. So you started doing, uh, this is the Racer X Vault. Um, so you started doing the 500 Nationals. You start, and you were doing pretty good. You were always running 15 between 12, 13, 18, right? Like, um, yeah. And just, did you have a mechanic or were you on your own? Yeah, no. So, uh, uh, Daryl, Daryl oh, Hill. Oh, okay. Daryl yeah, Hellman was the mechanic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hellman was there. And I think we just hooked up. I don't know if he was actually riding or he just started, he just another connection. We hooked up and I said, Hey, I, you know, I, I need someone to work on my bikes. And, and, uh, so he was kind of working on my bikes throughout that year. Right. Yep. Just kind of part time and stuff. And then, and then we started getting busier and busier and I'm like, you know what? So I actually put him on the payroll for the Oak Barn. And so he was technically an Oak, Oak Barn employee. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, he was working full time somewhere else. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put you full time. I said, let's do the nationals. Yeah. I'll give you the van and you do the U S nationals. And I, I've got to come back for work though. So I actually flew and, uh, um, and he drove to all the nationals and, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, yeah. you know, talk about, talk about, uh, just blowing hard dough. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, like there's, there's nothing <laughs> like you're flying like a factory rider, your mechanics on the road in a van and you are oh, yeah. for no reason. Like you said, like, just cause you're like, ah, let's screw it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just well, what else was there to do? It's Manitoba. The winter's coming and, and, you know, the season was over. I think there's a couple of races left and, uh, the nationals fell into it. And, and, uh, I was feeling really good that year. I healed yeah. up, was in shape and, uh, yeah. And I, I think I went out and I bought a little Ford Ranger to drive around Winnipeg when I got back and, uh, sent Daryl out. And, you know, again, talking about results and money, you know, I mean, I, you know, if I made 60 grand in Hanukkah contingency that one year, I probably blew 60 grand to get to the nationals and six, five hundred nationals, right? Um, but 13th I, at I Millville. Remember, yeah. 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 I ran eight. The second moto I ran eight. And I think Matazovic, he didn't even pass me until like, two laps to go. I just dropped the anchor. Right. I yeah. was just done. It was so hot and humid. And, uh, I remember I'm like, Matazovic, was he, is he lapping me? And I'm like, nah, he can't <laughs> be winning. And yeah. yeah, I, you know, I think he, he finished ninth or 10th and, uh, you know, Strat and then a few other guys that were you know, top 10 regular guys. Yeah. And, uh, um, I thought, wow, this is awesome. You know, I, I, again, you know, the, the 60 grand to do the six nationals, the memory of running eight at Millville yeah. for, you know, for 30 minutes or whatever is, is, uh, yeah, that was worth 60 grand. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you, you, you told me too, you're like, like, cause you were a fan of motocross, you followed it, you liked it, you know, you read all the magazines and everything. And I remember you telling me one time at the, at the Oak store, you're like, man, like, I kind of freaked out. Like, I look around at these guys' names that I'm racing with, Rich Taylor, Ray Somo, Chicken, and you're like, I kind of I freak out a little bit because these guys are like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm running with these guys. Yeah, and that's, you know, that goes back to the mindset again of yeah. you know, growing up Canadian is, is, you know, I never had the mindset, yeah, I'm going to go down and win, and, you know, I... I you know, I never was a guy to kind of go into event and, you know, even with triathlons now, I don't go into event psyching myself up thinking I'm, I'm going to do well. I yeah. always kind of expect the worst and, you know, and then, you know, you, you run eighth and it's like, holy shit, I'm an eighth and no one's passing me. I'm having a really good race. And, you know, you finish 13th and you're ecstatic, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's like the coolest thing ever. You, you went, uh, 16, 12, uh, at, at Millville that day. So right ahead yeah. of Somo, right behind Kirk McMillan and Lance Smale. Yeah, it was, yeah, and Lance was on a pretty trick bike. I think he was getting you know, a few of those guys had some good support behind him, and 
um, yeah, again, if I would have been in shape, I could have got top 10, you know, I mean, I just, you know, a couple yep. laps to go on. We're talking dragging the anchor. I mean, there's nothing like dragging an anchor on a five old 500 two stroke. <laughs> I mean, you just die. Right. Yeah. And if I just would have went and ran and worked out a little bit and, and swam and whatever, I, you know, you think what could have been. And, uh, I guess if there's any advice, if anyone ever, ever came to me now, said, what would you do different? I'm like, just go get in shape. <laughs> just run. <laughs> Um, it's not that hard, man. It's pretty easy. Just run around the block. So you get national number 67 in the U.S. And I guess, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember exactly, but didn't you get, like, Suzuki's the next year and, like, two Suzuki's and you were you were back? You were back full-time racing again or something? Yeah, yeah. I still, well, I still had the store. Business yeah. was good. And, yeah, Suzuki just opened the floodgates that year. I guess they had a, a couple of containers of free bikes and everyone got free bikes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Wall was on them, and Carl and, uh, was on Carl, it. And Ross, everybody. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah, you think you're special, right? And all of a sudden, the the first race comes around, and it's like, holy shit, it was a sea of Suzuki, right? Yep. And um, yeah, I picked them up out of the dealer. I rode for the dealer. You're going to help me out on this one. Uh, was it Sun and Snow? Sun and Snow. Yeah, yeah. In Morton, not Morton. Where was Portage? It? It Portage. Was, uh, Portage, Manitoba. Portage. Yeah. yeah. Portage Prairie, yeah, yeah, awesome place to ride. Just south of Portage, there, those sand tracks. Yeah, I remember you and I used to go out there, and I had a track that was about three minute lap times, and we would just hammer our motos forever. I remember I was trying to hold you off one time, and I mean you were much faster than I ever was, and I was trying to hold you off one time, and I yeah. flew off this little roller and smashed my face into the handlebars. And you were yeah, like, it was a dro- it was a drop away with a big guy on the other side. You just, I'm like, holy shit, what's he doing? And uh, you might have had a little whiskey throughout. I might have. I might have. I remember <laughs> thinking like, I'm riding really good. Like I'm keeping him behind me. Like watch this. I'm going to show him. And then and then uh, oh, I remember just bam, hitting my head on the. On, and you're like going, what are you doing? <laughs> oh yeah, we and you're so far from anything. Imagine if we ever wadded around a tree. I mean, you're you're yeah. you're 30 miles from civilization. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, I would have had much. to drag you out of there on a on a stick, right? Yeah, pretty much. Was, um, yeah, the thought of doing that is crazy. So, and then what happened in '93? You didn't really do much. Did you get hurt or something again? I don't remember. Um, so '93 that was the Suzuki year. Yeah. No, no, I finished. Ah. Uh, uh, what did I finish? I don't remember. Fifth? Did I get national number five? No, I rode all the nationals. Oh, okay. Probably except for 500s. Did we have three, uh, three classes that year in I Canada? Know. I don't know. It might have been done by then, like, like it was in a lot of places, right? Well, I, I remember one national. I found some pictures of, uh, I remember it was uh, Larry Visco's stag the night before the national <laughs> admission. Okay. And he rented a yacht and whatever else, girls and whatever. It was just this massive party, and I'm like, Man, it's the night before Mission National in 1993. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I remember that just by the pictures. That, that's all I, that I can remember. I, I remember I probably finished around fifth because Ross was back going fast again, and he was on Suzuki's that yeah. year. Yeah, and I think Wah was starting to get quick. And so 93, I just yeah, I don't remember all the rounds, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember it was Suzuki's. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, and then just racing locally in Manitoba. Yeah, yeah, still racing. Yeah, like you said, everybody had Suzuki's back then. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were definitely giving them away, no doubt. Um, yeah, and they were, they were shitty. I mean, the one twenty five was just uh, those guys. I, I, I heard stories again. The story I heard was Ross had a you know a one fifty kit or a two hundred kit in his one twenty five, right? Yeah, <laughs> it just, it just the thing wouldn't go anywhere, right? So uh, uh, tough year one twenty five. There was those stories. So you sent me some photos uh, for for this for for use on social and stuff. Um, and I re- forgot about this, but there's some of you in Europe on a Suzuki. What, 
What happened? What would you do over there? Okay, so that must have been. I think that was '93. Then that was because I know I did the U. I did the USTP in San Bernardino those two years, '92, '93. Yeah, and um, so I think that I had a deal. I, I was at another. You meet so many people in Manitoba. This was a. What was the town in Manitoba that was? Uh, west of Winnipeg that we rode at, it was probably about two hours. Right on the highway, and there was an Esso station there. Is that Verdon or Melita? Uh, either one. It wasn't on the number one highway, but they're either one. It could have been both. We raced at both, so I don't know. So, yeah, so I went up there and uh, I met this guy. Uh, he, they owned the Esso dealership, and he was Austrian, the, the, the family, and super nice people. Like his uh-huh. wife, she cooked all the... the 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 dinner at the Esso station there they had a restaurant and he's like come on over after the race you know one of these guys that just yeah loves to hang around and so I went over there and met his family and everything and um and then he's like I think it was that September or something he's like oh you know I'm we're having a party at our at our you know Ferdin right two hundred yeah. people there right and so I went there I went to this party and his nephew flew in from Vienna. Okay. And his, his so his nephew didn't speak very much English. He's like, but I know, uh, he says, I know a Suzuki importer. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Right? right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know, a couple of beers later and everything <laughs> sounds cool. And right. so I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Just call me. Just call me. I'll right? raise. I'll raise. Yeah. 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 Whatever. All of a sudden, three days later, the phone's ringing. He says, yeah, you know, this and I'm calling from Vienna. He's got the Suzuki importer. He's got bikes. You want to come over and race? And I'm like, of course, you know, this is back before internet and texting. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you're on the telephone making a decision to fly to Vienna. And he's <laughs> like, we have a race this weekend and we have bikes. And and he didn't even seem like a motocross guy to me. He didn't really know anything about it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I got on a <laughs> got on a plane and I flew to Vienna. And, uh, and uh, he picked me up in this ratty old uh, Mercedes station wagon. And <clears throat> we drove way out in the middle of nowhere. It basically ended up at this uh, this Austrian ski hill. Okay, and uh, they they you could see there was a tractor. You got to realize at this point, I'm thinking, what have I got myself into? Because there's <laughs> no like, contract. This is like hostile, like like an Eli Roth movie, like hostile. <laughs> yeah, it's just like some dude smoking a cigarette in his Mercedes doesn't speak any English at all. We're at a gas station a half an hour out of uh, Vienna, and he's like, I don't understand what they're saying. And, that, and I'm thinking, I don't understand what you're saying, so where are we going, right? <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. So, oh, no, no, we did – sorry, we'll back up a little okay. bit. The day before, we did, we did go to the, the, the importer, uh, okay. Suzuki importer. It was called, called Honor Suzuki was the importer. And, yeah, the guy gave me some gear and stuff. So, okay. yeah, so anyways, we drove out there and walked this track, and it was so awesome. It was on, like, a, the side of a ski hill. And, uh, you know, the track would go up, and it would end at the highway. And I'm like, well, now what, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I guess so the track, you just go up and onto, you turn onto the paved highway up this mountain road, and you'd ride up this mountain road, and then the track would drop off back down into the valley, right? And um, So was so, this like an Austrian national or something? No, what this was, it was one step below the GP series. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the, obviously yep. the, the Grand Prix, the FIM. It, it was kind of like a training series. So they were all over these races, okay. were all over the country. All right. But they were just, you know, they were one step below. So, um, um, so yeah, so, you know, uh, we drove out to some farm and knocked on the door, bed and breakfast. Some old Austrian uh-huh. lady let us in, and here's your bed. So I crawl in with some strange Austrian guy in the bed to sleep for the night with some old lady making breakfast, right? Uh. 
and he's sitting there smoking in bed, right? I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? So this was just and one I, race you did over there? No, I ended up doing three. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, I ended up doing three, and uh, um, yeah, I instantly got into a fight the next day, which kind of didn't help my cause there. And the guy that won, I, he was an FIM rider. He was really quick. Uh, um, uh, it wasn't Shoddy, but anyways, one yeah. of those guys. And yeah. He lapped me. I finished ninth, actually. I did pretty good. I was happy. And, okay. uh, but he, 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 the guy lapped me. And at the, we go across the finish line, and he points at me, and he says, give me the number two, and then, like, no, you know, like, you didn't finish second. So I, you know. Okay, I'm you're like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. I, no shit, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I didn't finish second. He just lobbed me, idiot. So <laughs> I flip him off, and, and then he kind of, you know, gets a little aggressive and cuts me off. So I hold it wide open and just launch my bike into him, <laughs> and he falls over into the mud, right? <laughs> so I pick up the bike, and I go back to the pits, and holy oh, shit, it was just chaos. I mean, everybody, the mechanics from Honor Suzuki, one of the dads was there. And uh-huh. They're yelling at him, and they're yelling at me, and I'm in the back of the van laughing, right, because – nobody's speaking English. And I'm like, yeah, nothing happened. I don't know what he's talking about. What's the problem? So anyways, that kind of, so you did did three races over there. I didn't know. Okay. I didn't remember that. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, the next one was Was three in a row. So you were there for a month. Uh, I was there for three weeks, I guess yeah. it was, because one was a weekday, just uh, like a mini oh, yeah. stud race, oh, you know, yeah, kind of okay. like in a field. You uh-huh. know, it was really hokey, and uh, and but at that point, the team they didn't like me anyway. Honor Suzuki, I mean, you know, it's you know, I just I just knocked down the guy that won, and you know, <laughs> I, I'm laughing at him, and and the bikes were crummy, like the they were old, and the motors were horrible, and I kept telling them that I, you know, these things are shit. I could probably do better if I had a better motor, right? And um, so anyways, it, and oh, the deal was, was that I thought that I was going to be allowed to ride an FIM GP. That was the deal. I okay. said, I'll stay. And they said, no, 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 you have to do these races. And I said, no, no, no. I think there was two FIM races left at the end of that year in the September, late September. Okay. And I wanted to race those. And um, so I went to the Disnations and I watched. And I think that was the year they were in Austria that year. And 93, um, 93 I, was, yeah, I think it was Austria. Yep. McGrath yeah. went. Yeah, McGrath went, and uh, yeah, he's Kudowski. gone. I think he almost lost. The, yeah, for the team that year, right? Yeah. And uh, so I watched that, and then I waited around, and I talked to the team, and they're like, "No, no, no, you're not going." You know, you, so I went out to this stupid grass race, this um, kind of like arena cross with no jumps, and it was horrible. And then there was one other race um, that was on the Friday, and then there was another race on the Sunday, which was another um, of these international GPs. And uh, yeah, they were not happy with me at that point. So <laughs> I did, I did the first moto and uh, um, that was it. I, I think I finished like 15th or 16th and I'm like, this bike's crap. And then they wouldn't change the tire for me. It had like a bald tire on it. And it You're like, this tire. bike is crap. They're like, you are crap. And everybody was crap. <laughs> yeah. And everything's crap and it's just falling apart. And I said, no, I, so that, you know, all things just fall apart. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Okay. You know, just, all right. It, I was, it, it just fell meanwhile, every, I want all the listeners to know I'm back working, selling furniture, delivering <laughs> furniture, just holding everything down back then. I want everybody to know that. <laughs> and and no phone calls. Like we 
did I probably never phoned you, right? No, I you don't think so. I don't remember. Yeah, back then it's just like, oh, I guess he'll be back. Or maybe he'll die. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'll be working here forever. Yeah, you couldn't. I mean, to pick up the phone, you didn't have a calling card. You didn't. No, I mean, you would have. I would have had to put ten dollars in the phone to phone you and say, <laughs> "Hey, what's up?" Right? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, funny. Good times. Um, what's your best Ross Peterson story? I love rollerball. He's my childhood hero, as you know. Um, you, okay. You raced against him all across Canada many times. What's your best one? You, know, you want you want life story or motocross story? <laughs> Can the life story be told without laws being broken? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. The best the best life story was I, there was a couple of stories that I almost beat him. My my claim to fame was almost beating Ross at a couple of races. But the life story was Steve Friesen and I were went to, I think it was 88, mm-hmm. and, and there was two arena crosses. There was uh, Edmonton and Calgary, Yep. and they were back-to-back, and it was middle of winter. It was like 40 below out, and I remember... Uh, Wait, uh, these are the uh, same races. This is the same... Sorry to interrupt you. These are the yeah. same races that I rode for my brother in the pro class. We didn't know each other back then. Did you really? Yeah, I told you that story before. Yeah. My brother rode the first night. The first night was either Calgary, Edmonton, whatever it was. And he rode and sucked. And him and my dad got in a huge argument. And then my, 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 my brother said, I'm not racing anymore. And my dad turned to me and said, you're racing. And I'd been, I was still in eighties and I had to ride 250 pro for my brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome that's an awesome story it is good yes it is good yeah. uh but anyways okay i remember these races i was there anyways go ahead yeah yeah and so, freezing cold and your brother actually qualified for the main uh my brother i don't think he the first night he sucked no he stunk he'd been in california uh forever and the first night was when freaky led forever that's right yeah oh and oh and steve poor steve he was so mad he got punted you know, by rollerball he was a uh, 188 yeah. or 180 or something and, uh, yeah, and Steve, yeah, a total natural talent. He was absolutely flying on the rollerball. Like, rollerball could have just passed him, right? But no, 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 no. Did what he, he, he did what he did best. <laughs> and, he, and poor Steve, he was just, oh, he was so happy afterwards. And uh, and then, yeah, the next night, and then so so everybody goes out to yeah. the famous bar, Cowboys, afterwards, right, after yep. the second night of racing. And, and, you know, of course, Ross is there. And, uh um, abs, everyone's absolutely pie eyed. And, uh, and, uh, so there's these big speakers. They're probably, I'm going to say maybe five feet high. So they're mm-hmm. kind of hard to jump on. So a couple of girls were dancing on them. Right. And, uh, and everyone's hooting and hollering typical yep. country right. Calgary. And, uh, and then all of a sudden Ross decides he's going to get up there. So he can't get up. He's trying to get up. He knocks one girl off. And then her boyfriend starts pushing Ross, and Ross starts pushing back, and then a few people are pushing each other. So Ross finally gets up on the speaker, and he's dancing away up there, right? And we're all cheering him on, and all the motocrossers. And uh, so I guess the boyfriend, you know, starts threatening him, and the girlfriend starts getting mad, and then the bouncers come. <laughs> so, so the bouncers start falling at him, right? And he's kicking at the bouncers, right? He's yeah. dancing, he's kicking at the bouncers, and uh, so they finally get him down and they and he's fighting back right he's yes he's pissed drunk and and uh um uh oh what was his mechanic's name back then it'll come to me uh he's there and uh sharpless was it sharpless to... back then no 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 um was it gallon was it dave gallon it might have been no this was before gallon okay somebody else i don't know and uh so anyways he's trying to pull the bouncers off the bouncers throw them out they drag literally they steve and i stand there here's ross on his back getting dragged out by his feet by these two massive absolutely steroid bound bouncers right Uh and ross still still kicking and punching and still pissed off right so they throw him out in the snow 
And we're all, we're all standing inside staring at him like, well, what's he going to do? He doesn't have his shirt on, right? It's right. already below. And yeah, whatever. No one goes out to help him. No. I think Richie went out to help him. I think Richie was there. Okay. And, uh, and um, was he from Red Deer, right? Yeah, he's France buddy from Red Deer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it, he was Richie was out helping him anyway. So uh, all of a sudden, ten minutes later, Ross is back in again. Mm-hmm. How do you get back in, right? And yeah, and then all of a sudden, the bouncers they lay into him. They start beating the shit out of him, right? <laughs> and of course, you know we're not fighters, skinny ass motocrossers. We're not helping, right? We're yeah, yeah. drunk and yeah. Uh, and and yeah, and he was cut in the face. He was bleeding, and they and he's he's fighting back, right? I'm like Jesus. Why don't you just leave? Right? Just yeah, get out of here, Ross. They yeah. they put the boots to him, and by the time he was out in the snow the second time, you could see the blood. And yeah, he was he was sitting there hurting, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think somebody dragged him off uh, at that point. But and then uh, he rode the yeah. next night at Edmonton, and probably won, won probably won the next night. <laughs> no, I think that I think that was after both of them. Oh, okay, I all right. Remember. Yeah, because we got snowed in, and I remember we couldn't get out of town after that. It was we were stuck in Calgary, and. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty nasty the next day. Uh, typical winter day, right? Um, but yeah, freaky led for oh, I want to say two or three laps to the end before rollerball yeah. did him in. Um, yeah, that and I remember I didn't never heard of this sea freezing guy back then. You were from we were from Manitoba, but um, yeah, my brother raced. He'd been riding in California this whole time. Came up, my we drove out with an eighty eight KX two fifty of Dave Pyscore is eighty eight KX two fifty. Oh, Dave Pyscore. Yeah, 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 we had his bike. We met my brother. My brother absolutely sucked. Uh, he, he hadn't been practicing, obviously, clearly in California, probably just drinking beer and hooking up with chicks. <laughs> and then my dad and him got into a huge fight. I was with Kurt Wyatt. We just drove out to hang out. We were 15, whatever we were, 14. And then uh, they got in a huge fight. My brother said, I'm not racing the next night. And my dad said, okay. And he pointed to me, you're racing. So I, my brother signed up, and I was getting dressed next to Al. At, in the pits, and, and Al looked over, and, and my dad was like, shh, shh. <laughs> and, 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 and then we all had to go out for the, we all had to go out on the starting straight for the national anthem, and my dad was yeah. like, don't take your helmet and go- goggles off. So I, had to, I was the only guy on the star straight with a helmet and goggles on, 50, 15 years old. <laughs> like anyone's going to recognize you, right? <laughs> and, and so the, and the goggles started fogging up, and so I couldn't find my way after the anthem was over. I couldn't find my way back because they were all foggy. I was probably nervous. And then I had yeah. to, so then I had to like look straight down with my head up but look down at the ground. You know, <laughs> and I rem- I didn't get last. I didn't obviously didn't make yeah. the main event, but I did not get last in the LCQ. It was my first time ever riding a big bike. <laughs> wow, and and you're in a a tight, yes, you know, peaky jump track like that, yes. right? I remember. Well, and wasn't wasn't Mercedes Gonzalez there too? Oh, Didn't I don't remember that. In California? No, I don't uh, remember that. Um, oh, maybe that was a different round. The race, the, either Edmonton or Calgary, whichever one I did, it was a star straight, left hand turn, and a tabletop. And the first lap of practice, I hit the left hand first turn, and I just left the throttle on, and I almost looped out like within ten <laughs> seconds of taking off. <laughs> Anyways, it was good times. Yeah, so I was funny that you that you bring that up. So, um, what about so on rollerball on the track? Did you have some good battles with him? Yeah, that well, not really. I mean, obviously Ross was that much better, right? Especially when he got into Canada, and he kind of he kind of turned it up. And uh, a couple of races, one race in '89, we went back just before the national start, and there was a arena cross in New Brunswick. 
and they had these trailer jumps and 125 main i led the whole thing it was same thing at ross and alan i led and uh probably maybe four laps from the finish or three laps the trailers started coming apart in the middle yeah. <laughs> and, and you know the landing was plywood right and yeah. everyone was landing right in the middle and and yeah i just I just came over and I, of course I landed in that two inches where the trailer was coming apart and the plywood broke in half and I went over the bars. And so that was the closest I ever came to beating Ross. And one other time I, there was an arena cross, an outdoor arena cross in Uxbridge, Ontario. And I remember leading him for a long time too. And same thing, I crashed. And then the only national, there was a national, when I was living in Edmonton and I healed up, there was a national, um, it would have been, Antler Lake. Yeah. It would have been Antler Lake. Right. Yeah, and then it got canceled because of the rain, and then it got moved to Fort Saskatchewan, and I'd been practicing in the sand at that Fort Saskatchewan track for months on end, and so I kind of had it wired, and I remember I I led quite a few motos there, and Ross, I remember him, the only thing he said to me was like, dude, you're really fast, but your line selection just sucks. <laughs> and that was, that was about all he said to me at the end of the day, right? Um, so. Yeah, that was uh, that sounds about right. The And then... Again, at some point, you open a store in Toronto, for lack of a better, <laughs> Toronto, and I'm out there in Toronto now uh, with my Honda and working for you, and I, I raced, you took off for somewhere again, maybe this was Europe, I don't even know, and I'm raced, I raced the season opener at Gopher Dunes. Um, I'm just like, well, I'm not doing anything, and I'm living in your apartment in Toronto, you're gone racing, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Gopher Dunes and go race the opener, and I got smoked. Uh, Bill Wallen and no, I was back by then. You and I both went. No, I don't uh, think so. Yeah, because you, I went to Florida to pick up because um, John of the Machine was buddies with Sir Wall, and Sir Wall had this Pro Circuit 250 Honda, and John got him to ship it to Florida, and <laughs> so I drove to Florida. You stayed at the store. I drove down to Florida to pick up this 250 Honda, uh-huh. and then I I practiced down there for a while, and then I came back for the opener. Okay, and you and I both went to Gopher Dunes. Because actually, Larry still remembers the story about how weird you you and I were in your creeper van, and we parked right behind the start line. And okay, and, uh, right. yeah, that yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I do remember. Yeah. I sucked though. I remember that. I don't know how you did, but I sucked. Yeah, I sucked too. I think uh, I did. I think I whole shot and led. Bill Wallen was in better shape than me, and and. I think I rode two or three classes by the end of the day in the sand. I was lying on the ground dead, and I think you and I both lied there until until the sun came went down. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, and then you ended up that was so. Then was Winnipeg close? Then I don't even know the the. Somehow you stayed in Toronto. You just started living in Toronto, and that's when you met your wife. Now, <laughs> yeah. Well, the well the Toronto store. So that year we were, yeah the store was still almost. We were in a shopping mall in Brampton. And uh, yeah, yeah, had a, had an apartment in that in that crack district, and um, and then the store started going bad, and then yeah, then we did. I said, yeah, I said to you, I said one day, I said, uh, okay, well, the store's going bad, let's move. Yeah, and you're like, well, yeah, what do you mean? You got a whole store full of furniture. I'm like, ah, dude, I can't pay the lease. It yeah. sucks. I just, I said, let's get a cube van, and you know, at closing time, we'll just load it up and take off. And uh, so you and I. We had this big five-ton cube van, and all day long we started pulling furniture out the back, and it got to be about 10 o'clock at night, and we weren't even halfway done. No. The truck yeah. was full of furniture, and the security guards started peeking in, and you were freaking out. You were starting to have a panic attack. <laughs> and I said, Steve, just keep going, keep going. And the security guard came around the back. Remember that? And he's like, you guys, you need to come in here. I need to talk to you. i got to talk to the manager. And I'm like, no, dude, no, we're moving out. It's Everything's fine. And he couldn't get a hold of the mall manager. And I'm like, Steve, keep going. <laughs> 
And there was so much stuff. I think we filled the cube van. There was no blankets. Then we filled your van and we yep. went back to the apartment and unloaded a whole bunch of furniture and came back to the mall. And, and uh, uh, I, 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 you talk about blowing money. I think we still left probably 10 sets of uh, dining room sets there and we just took off, right? Yeah, it's crazy. And then, yeah, we drove back to Manitoba. But because we loaded it in such a hurry and we had no blankets, the stuff ended up being kindling. <laughs> it was kindling at the end with all the rough roads. Oh, man. Oh, oh it was bad. And you just, you were bitched at me so much. It was nonstop complaining. <laughs> You're just like, what, Martin? Why did you do this? Why are we doing this? I don't want to do this. I don't want to carry furniture i don't want to drive i don't want to do this i'm just like this, it seemed like it seemed like outside of my employee boundaries that i got hired for <laughs> yeah that's uh, right it wasn't in your job description right yeah and then years later you are in victoria now back on the west coast and i'm in between i'm trying to make this mechanic thing work and going after the off season instead of going back to manitoba i would go to victoria and live with you your your now wife you and your girlfriend now wife larice and i would work for you in the off season while trying to find a mechanics job the whole time uh good, <laughs> you know what i mean it was a nice little um place to go in between the off season for me because i couldn't find a job that would pay me year round to be a mechanic yeah and you were working for the guy of oregon what yeah, was his name birdwell ty birdwell Ty Birdwell, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so after you're finished with Birdwell, because he was sort of semi-privateer, you would come up and work in the wintertime. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was, again, good years. I mean, yeah, we yeah we left. And we were in Ontario, Larissa and I, we didn't have a store. And um, my dad fell off his truck, um, tarping a load, and he broke his arm. So I drove him back home. And then he sat on the couch for a while, and he ended up having a heart attack. So I flew back to Ontario, and he's like, ah, you know, you live too far away. You need to open a store out here. So then I started wandering around (laughs) Vancouver and ended up in Victoria. And I'm like, oh, here's a store. I'm going to open a furniture store in Victoria. Oh, so so random. So random, Martins. (laughs) Yeah, flew back to Ontario, loaded up the van, and drove out to Ontario. And, uh, yeah, then you and I connected again. And uh, and then, yeah, business was great. It was the same thing. It was just sort of the money was flowing. And we were back racing again, and and you were selling furniture. And... (laughs) <laughs> living the high life right oh i know it's absolutely um it was fun times i chased you from winnipeg to toronto to victoria selling furniture delivering furniture uh trying to get a job and and, and always shaking my head at you taking off to ride 500 nationals or or canadian nationals and still trying to run a business full-time Good times. And the best, the best, the best line ever was whenever you had to do something, and you were all grumpy. I always said, "Go get him, Tiger!" Yeah. And you just be so pissed off. Quit saying that to me. I'm still bitter, Martins, that you, you used to pay me twenty five bucks a delivery, and then I was killing it. I was loading up the creeper van with, uh, you know, ten deliveries. Even like a lazy Susan would get me t- would get me twenty five bucks. And then you were, had, it, had it all figured out. And then you were like, no, 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 that's gonna stop. I'm, I'm paying you too much. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and you were like, no, no, you're getting no. Paid, you're getting paid by the hour now or something or whatever it was. It, I was absolutely slaying it for a while for yeah, cash wise. We did that though. We would show up at the mall and we would have Starbucks breakfast lunch dinner and more starbucks at the mall i think i think i was watching your bills and you were probably up to about 40 or 50 bucks a day just in in mall food alone right yeah no probably I'm yeah like, exactly. dude i'm only paying you like 100 bucks a day you're, you're dropping half of it at the mall it was, uh, <laughs> well i was never a, i was never a economic major you know so yeah yeah you and me both right um well fun times for sure thanks for the thanks for the catch-up on the uh race tech private island life uh podcast number 22 daryl martins i always said martins man you, you could ride a bike 
like there's no doubt like you had some serious right, skills then. man and uh if you had only like the rich parents or you know if you like you said if you, you know if you just been not not had to worry about money and took two three four years to ride a, uh, a bike and train and do all that you could have really done something but you know i mean as it is you still did you know great job and, and all that but man like well uh, it was you know, yeah it was timing right those years yep. of the economy the motocross took a dive and uh there's you know certainly if it was 10 years later it might have been different right yeah no absolutely i i you know like i said you you had some serious seriously good results and everything else and and um you know, uh, got, people in the U.S. were like, hey, who is this guy? You know, like Scott Swinehart was always like, yeah, man, people are, like, really noticing Martins. He's running up front. He's riding well, so. Oh, yeah, I got a Scott story. Can I tell that one? Yeah. Yeah, he's super good guy. I was at, I think it was Bud's Creek. And uh, in the qualifier, I, I, you know, again, you sort of talk to these guys. And, you know, Scott had the, the Bridgestone. And, uh, and there was this uphill double coming up short. And, totally in the qualifier blew my rear wheel out like all the spokes and everything uh-huh. and so i came off the track thinking that's my day i don't have a spare wheel right and yep. all of a sudden here's scott standing there he's waving me in he had a whole wheel like in the time that he watched that qualifier till the time i got back to the pits he had a whole wheel sitting there and he threw the bike up in the stand changed the wheel put a brand new one on because the last chance qualifier was right away right yeah and i'm just like holy cow like i only talked to scott maybe five times i yeah. didn't even think that he knew who i was and yeah here he had this brand new wheel for me and totally saved the day right yeah yeah oh cool good guy yeah absolutely no doubt yeah. i got to know him pretty well over the years from you know uh being a privateer mechanic so it was is he still is he still in no no long gone now that that competition direct trailer got sold and and different people took it over but yeah scott's been gone for a while but uh i'd like to see him for sure if i ever do see him i'll tell him you said hi for sure yeah, yeah, I figured it'd be a lifer for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, awesome, Martins. Thank you for the uh, trip down memory lane. Really appreciate it. Again, uh, some good results. 10th in Seattle, 13th at Millville, number four in Canada, number seven in Canada. You know, what could have been, Martins? What could have been? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything. There's a couple of little uh, glitches here and there we probably might have uh, adjusted, but uh, what yeah, about, it was a good time. What about that race? I didn't beat you, but I led for a while. Uh, was that a local Manitoba race? Yes, yes, it was awesome. Yeah. It was epic. You don't remember it, but I led you. I, uh, no, I do remember it. It was it was at that track south of Winnipeg. It was kind of really flat and hard pack. I think they had the amateur nationals there. When yeah, St. Jean. St. Jean. Yeah, St. Jean. That's yep. it. Thank yep. you. Yep. yep, forgot all about that. Yeah, and it was kind of like a pasture and a little bit of one line. And, oh, you know, yeah, no, so it was one reason. line. That's why I was able to hold you off. Yeah, well, I'm, these are my excuses, right? but I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ripped the whole shot. I'm like, Jesus, get out of the way, dude! Uh, I'm like, Whoa! <laughs> I'm, I was gonna go get him, Tagger, that day. That's what I was gonna do. Yeah, but that was probably before I knew you. Once I knew you, I would have just punted you off the track. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Thanks. Uh, hope you're well. Uh, the family as well, and all that. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks you too, Steve.